Welcome to the official podcast of the University of Stuttgart, Made in Science. My name is Wolfgang Holtkamp. I'm Senior Advisor on International Affairs at the University of Stuttgart and your host. In this episode, we welcome Dr. Jessica Bunchu, who has been at our university for some time already. Born and raised in the United States, she studied English literature, German and philosophy at the University of Arizona. After completing her bachelor's degree, she acquired a Master of Fine Arts degree in poetry from the University of Maryland at College Park. Then she moved across the country again and completed a PhD program in literature and creative writing at the University of Houston, Texas. After that, she was a Fulbright lecturer in American literature at the University of Stuttgart. And now she works in the field of English literatures and cultures at our university. In addition, she's also a published poet. Today, we want to talk with her about her career in academia and poetry writing, about her passion for teaching and her interdisciplinary work. Hello, Jessica. Hi. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's so wonderful to be here, Wolfgang. Jessica, you recently started to look at literature as a more interdisciplinary topic. Can you tell us about a project of yours that includes not only literary texts? Yes, thank you. Um, it's been quite exciting to expand the vision um, of poetry beyond our own faculty nine, to be able to think about people um, outside of the humanities who are also committed to clear and precise communication. And a topic on which it's incredibly important right now, of course, is um, environmental crisis um, and what's going on in terms of um, how to help the general public to better understand um, the environment and to feel the responsibility to perhaps change their own behaviors in response to it. Um, so I reached across and spoke to some people in the chemistry department and asked about some of the courses they were doing um, with climate change and um, then came upon this idea of doing a course devoted to science communication that we could have our own English majors take in addition to those in the sciences and they would take it as an elective. And then the students, we um, did this uh, this fall, um, they They worked on podcasts together across with people from other disciplines, and they listened to um, some examples that we heard, some a number of professional um, you know, uh, writers and scientists from the UK who then showed them ways to take um, you know, very complicated topics in, in terms of science, um, you know, recent science experiments, and then how to bring this down into language that was clear to everybody which they did do, and then they wrote uh, poems in response. Um, so they did creative work um, that they brought together with the scientific. And it was exciting, and then they made podcasts, which will appear on the university radio station Horod's um, this winter. And how far would you say did both student sides, the, in the humanities and in the science, benefit from that? Well, it was it was incredibly exciting to see um, what would have also been difficult for me, some of our English majors trying to understand a complicated 
procedure of you know of, of the way that maybe um, something with heating or some sort of you know heat transfer question, and then they would go and speak to some of the people in the sciences, and they would explain it to them in clear language so that they could then communicate better themselves. So you'd see that happen, and then um, then on the other hand, I saw some scientists who said, you know, actually, um, I've never written a poem before, and this is not as hard as I thought, and this is actually a lot of fun, um, and it was it was very gratifying, particularly for me especially to witness someone to see that um, being articulate in poetic verse is not necessarily, um, you know, only relegated to people who are studying the humanities. And that brings us to the next point. You are not only active in academia, as we heard in the intro, you also write poems yourself. And how gratifying it must be for when you hear students saying, well, um, we can do it also, and we give it a try, put it uh, that way, for ha perhaps. Um, in how far? Does your academic work influence your creative output at all, if that happens? What's the connection between the two? Well, I mean, I know a lot of people who perhaps feel that they can fight each other um, in terms of one zapping, you know, your 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 interest in creativity when you're taking something apart and um, and maybe seeing it from a, a particularly uh, analytic, scientific point of view, the literary text. But um, I feel they feed each other, and I have to say, of course, of, among all the genres, poetry is <laughs> is the one that I have to be out there. I am the spokesperson of poems because I feel how often. Um, young people are taught that there's one answer to how a poem should be seen. And so it's great, you know, fun for me to um, to take difficult pieces of, of poetry and to really show how they unfold slowly and to validate different readings. So there's not necessarily one reading. Um, and that helps me then also to see um, in, in talking about texts with students, how I might also try different things. And certainly we do, I do bring in different exercises uh, so that they, they also see a connection between the poet from within writing the text and then analyzing it from the outside so that they can see a connection inside, outside. Um, so it, it influences me certainly by giving me more breadth of, you know, reading more and more texts, seeing more variations of how to approach a particular topic. Um, and then also, um, it, by teaching literature, I get to stay together with this thing that I love. So it just continues this lifelong love affair with the literary text. Given the energy of that work and also of the experiences, uh, both at your side and uh, at the side of the students, how can the university benefit as a whole from this approach? Do you think this can be also a project that lasts longer? Absolutely. I think that's a wonderful way of thinking about it. How can we have longevity in some of these short projects that we do so that they can benefit more and more people? And one of the things that's been really exciting this fall is a project that um, I've been working together um, with um, with my boss, um, Sibylla Baumbach, um, who is um, one of the people who's, um, you know, kind of helping to get this new program at the university, um, you know, to have feet, so to speak, and that is the Interchange Forum for Reflecting on Intelligent Systems, or IRIS, and we're organizing together also with Jonas Kuhn a workshop where we have scholars from all over the world and also within our own university. It's exciting even the in the um, entrepreneurial department. We have people from our own studies, but also from the digital humanities who are coming together, also graduate students, so not 
only professionals um, from Australia, the UK, the US, um, Spain, Switzerland, um, who are thinking about questions, how can we see literature as an intelligence system, and also how can we reflect on potential problems. So we're not only suggesting this is how it has to be done, but how can we um, more and more bring in so many different um, areas um, of expertise to examine this one issue. May I ask, in what language do you do this? Is this English? Uh, doesn't it matter in which language? Because there can be translations. Uh, the colleagues from the linguistics are involved, as you mentioned. Uh, how's the approach to this? Well, um, since since we have been reaching out to a number of scholars who are primarily from English-speaking countries, it is in English. However, we have sometimes people who are doing texts, they're looking at German texts, um, but they are then translating the excerpts they're doing. But in, a, in, in this particular question, it probably could be conducted in any language because one is thinking about the system itself and not the language in which it's conducted in. As I'm sure the audience has realized already, you are very passionate about literature and especially about poetry. So one has to ask, where does your love for the written word actually come from? Well, <clears throat> one of the things that's exciting about um, teaching here at the University of Stuttgart is that I get to work with so many future teachers. And I absolutely adore teachers because it is such an incredibly profound job when you're working with young people and how to get them excited about being articulate in whatever language they speak. Um, and I, I frequently get to go and, and work with teachers in, in Stuttgart. I've been to many different um, gymnasiums where, where they're doing bilingual education and we bring our teachers in. And when I have gone there for the first time, I wrote a letter to those kids who are in that classroom. And I asked all my teachers to do the same, who were coming, the, the future teachers, the students. And one of the things I, I had to reflect on this exact question, why do I care? And why do I want these young people to care too about literature? And it reminded me of my 10th grade English teacher, Mrs. Burke, when I was in Carefree, Arizona. And on one, this is incredibly hot, hot, maybe it was, you know, May, Friday morning, she took us outside of the classroom and she said, bring your literature textbooks with you. And she read Dylan uh, Thomas's Fern Hill as we were sitting on the bleachers. It was already scorching hot. And this wonderful ability to have our horizon of our space be transported to such a different, different space of Dylan Thomas talking about his own childhood um, and the greenness. And, and um, it, was, it was exquisite for me to feel literally that I was transported by this particular poem. And so that for me is perhaps um, when I first felt like I could fall into a poem. You have definitely traveled many spaces, uh, both literally and figuratively, I guess, but also in your studies already. Why did you decide to study English literature, creative writing, and philosophy? Well, when I was at the University of Arizona, they had a, what was at that point a new degree called interdisciplinary studies. And I guess it's very good for people who can't make up their minds. Um, so 
it was, I didn't, I felt like I loved so many different fields that it was wonderful to be able to, you know, hang out with the philosophy crew, which was a very different group than the people who would have been studying German literature at the time or English uh, literature. Um, but to, to really bring those different things together um, was was exciting for me. And um, then the choice was, where, what do you want to do for graduate work, right? Um, and so I thought, among these three things, which would I want to pursue? And I had one particular philosophy teacher who gave me a piece of advice. He said, well, you know, he said, I think for maybe philosophy as a graduate student isn't for you. Um, <laughs> and it's because, you know, poetry thinks at a different speed. And it's very different from the, the language of philosophy. It brings it in. But there, you know, you get to go in, in poems, in, in excursions and in and, um, and little dog legged journeys, whereas oftentimes in a philosophical argument, you've got to be pretty straight about where you're headed. Um, and I I, of course, lugged the dog-legged journey, so <laughs> he thought this would be a better, a better home for me, and in fact, he was quite right. On the other hand, the direct uh, way led you to Stuttgart, so every now and then you take that road as well, and we are very happy about it. Um, can you tell us why you ended up at the University of Stuttgart for your Fulbright year abroad? Yeah, well, um, I at that time, this was in 2001, and I was teaching at the College of Charleston. Um, I had already finished my PhD, and um, I was excited. Uh, one of my projects that I was thinking a lot about was the long poem written by women. And in looking at different universities where that would be a topic I could pursue, I was excited. Um, it was incredibly thrilling to go and look in the catalog of the University of Stuttgart and see such incredible diversity of the courses. Frequently in the United States, it's always the same courses that are taught every semester. Whereas here, it was such, you know, new topics uh, that could be brought in. And it was very, it was, um, it was gratifying also when I sent my application and, and, and asked uh, the head of the Department of American Studies at the time, would, would it be possible to come and do this topic? Among other topics at the time, I also did topics like 9-11. Um, and there was such resonance and warmth um, that I was excited to, to come and do that here. When you came to the city of Stuttgart, what was your first impression or some of your first impressions? And uh, do you have a particular memory from your first weeks here? Absolutely. Well, what, the first time I was ever in Stuttgart was when I had um, come as a student, and I actually had even you know studied for a few semesters at the University of Stuttgart, and so this would have been um, maybe like 94, I guess. And I re I recall um, when we were landing the plane, um, <laughs> um, it was I had never seen such a thing that here you if you've landed um, and come through the airport in Stuttgart, then there are fields all around, and there. There were little children waving up at the planes. And now, of course, they didn't know that we could see them in the planes. But it was this incredible warmth of being greeted by children um, that just I will never forget. Um, but I, I also um, had that same sense of warmth. Stuttgart is a place, if you come from another background, it is, a, you can be fully immersed in this space. There are people from so many diverse, um, you know, places here um, in the inner city that you hear so many languages spoken. Um, and I, of course, I, I'm married to a Swabian. I, I adore also hearing um, the Swabian dialect as well, mixed in with all of these other languages. And also German spoken by so many people of different backgrounds is wonderful. One of the things I love about Stuttgart is it's, it, it's this cozy 
cozy feeling. It's a Kessel. It's like a cauldron-like shape. Um, and you even have vineyards, you know, from our own um, building. We can look at these beautiful vineyards, this green space. But it, it, it allows you to um, to feel the sense of coziness where you can hike from one part of the city to the other and through the various steps that go all the way up. Um, and we actually live right near some of these steps that, you know, you can take them um, and suddenly enter green space very, very quickly. It's, it's, a, it's a, I think, one of the greenest big city in Germany. For now, let's look a little bit ahead also. Uh, Jessica, where do you see your research and your work going in the near future? Thank you. Um, well, of course, we're all excited for when we'll have the ability to travel more freely um, after COVID. Um, and one of the things that has been really gratifying for me is when on occasion I get to follow in your footsteps with all of the wonderful excursions you've done with India and various places and bringing students from different nations together. That's really fantastic work um, that you've been doing for a long time here at the university. Um, and I have done one excursion where I took a group of students to Ireland and I would love to continue to bring students to various places um, like an excursion again to Ireland um, or other places too. But one one of the things that's, um, you know, I just did a course on Northern Ireland and we were talking, we actually literally read a lot of texts about walking along the border. And I thought, isn't it, wouldn't it be amazing if we could actually walk that border and really see some of these various spaces we've only been reading about. So to make certain things more and more tangible and tactile for the students would be would be fantastic. And so in terms of my own research, it would also be exciting for me as a scholar to be able to visit some of the libraries, um, you know, and to be able to um, have a more of an opportunity to maybe even speak to, I work with a lot of poets from Belfast and from Northern Ireland and recently have done a podcast with one, but how great if one could actually see some of these people in person and, and be able to have exchanges that way too. Where do you see the influence of poetry? Uh, as a genre in the future, perhaps at the university, but also in schools? Do you think, uh, given its relevance in uh, popular culture, in songs, in rap songs, for instance, um, is, is there a different dimension that uh, young people approach poetry these days that can be uh, used and, and extended uh, for, for life, if you want so? Absolutely. Um, it's been um, some years ago that I worked in a, pro a program called Poets in the Schools in Houston, Texas. And I really got to experience that firsthand of going primarily to a lot of times bilingual schools where you sometimes had uh, children who only spoke Spanish and their their fellow classmates had to translate their texts for them. Um, but I, I think that poetry is, is a wonderful, wonderful outlet also in its... Um, you know, orality. We've sometimes done here on multiple occasions poetry slams. And so to really have it be a performative element, um, I think with children, they are willing to perform and to bring that out. And you can do this, of course, through music, as you suggest. But also, one of the great things that we did in the Poets in the Schools program, and I've done it here with young um, kids too, is take them into a museum. So to go through visual media is also a way to do that. But I think 
one of the things that I would be really committed to doing now, specifically in terms of climate change, is to think about how can, imagine if you take some um, some seeds into a classroom and you start planting seeds and you talk about the process and then you ask them to write a poem about that um, to really make um, different topics that maybe only seem theoretical to also connect those to storytelling and to uh, the lyricism uh, that you might experience in a poem, musicality, etc. And then something like that, that they can experience what it means to work and, uh, well, stay in unaccustomed earth if you plant some plants in different uh, surroundings and see how they can grow uh, and, uh, and what changes will come about. Talking about that and looking back across the ocean after moving back and forth between the United States and Germany for a couple of years, which is what you did, you finally settled in Stuttgart. Is there something that you still miss about uh, your hometown, your, your, your sta home state that you would like to share with us? Well, <laughs> one thing that I miss a great deal is um, bagels. And I, I, I have tried making bagels myself. Um, I mean, they're okay, but they're certainly not like uh, the bagels that one can get um, in the United States. Um, I, for a long time, I missed a big Sunday New York Times, but now I, I, <laughs> I do my best to just to read online. But um, the th also, um, you know, I come from various places in the United States, but I come also from a desert landscape. And that is a landscape that one doesn't get the sense of, you know, opportunity to experience here. And when I speak to my father who lives in Phoenix, he'll say, oh, the weather's so beautiful. And the middle of December. Oh, everything is, you know, and even the sense of things blooming and gorgeous all year round. And particularly in the winter months, I wouldn't mind a little bit of sunshine. Um, that would be great. I guess you can give us a little bit of sunshine by reading from one of your poems that you have brought along for us today. I would be happy to do so. Please. This is a poem that will actually be published next year um, in um, Australia is doing um, a, a particular editor who works specifically on prose poems. So these are poems that look you know, like a block of text. They don't, um, they let the printer, so to speak, sort of decide when the when the line breaks. And so this is a text that um, just goes down. Uh, it's blo um, blocked out both left and right. And it's, this one is called Airport Homecoming. How agreeable it is to be traveling toward your nursing trees, away from the saguaros of my youth, dying in a valley where cottonwoods once flourished. How much better to meet the trees worth knowing east of the Mississippi, those local familiar trees, fully grasping their importance, gesturing in their hooded way from around the corner of your street. In your world, there aren't any Palo Verdes or creosote or white doves of the desert, a mission with the face of St. Teresa nearly as white as Father Kino's. How much better to command over a blue in which nothing wavers, lifting us into those humid houses that follow. Here, I'll take my canvas chair onto the roof, into the flow of the world, and after breakfast, I will find you to photograph me, lifting my head to hear the chime of leaves. Resilient life, you once said, begins in mud. 
even as a tadpole fights its way to the desert sun. And for me, it's enough to know trees are christened in Latin, enough to say I can't feel safe among my acatillo, blooming red in March, forgetting to straighten itself, a spine, a broomstick, a bat, crooked as a skyward path into the shallow lights of your city. Thank you very much. It sounds really like an experience of always coming home. And I guess all of us return every now and then to our homes. Um, but we're also aware that we never return the same persons and, and change. But we do return. And, uh, and so I love the idea that is expressed here when you say, take my canvas chair onto the roof and into the flow of the world. I like that. That's my favorite line for sure. And I'm sure many others uh, have found favorite lines uh, in this poem. Thank you, Jessica. Jessica, towards the end of our conversation, we always have something, a particular section, called Moment 7. These are seven questions, or we like to call them moments, and uh, we would like to ask you to answer them as shortly as possible. Okay. Moment 1. Spätzle or Maultaschen? Spätzle, for sure. Moment 2. One thing you could change about the world. Help us to have a better sense of problems of scale, like, for instance, climate change, that we can feel responsible for things that even seem so enormous and insurmountable, and yet to still remain optimistic about them. Moment three. Do you have a recommendation for a place in Germany that people should visit who don't know Germany? Actually, I, I don't want to be redundant and boring, but I would act, I would say Stuttgart is a city that not enough people come to visit. Um, when one looks at different places that people are choosing as uh, to be a tourist, I myself would much prefer to come to Stuttgart than to go to Heidelberg. Heidelberg might be the place that's in the guide, uh, for instance. But I think one of the things that I think is is um, really exciting, and this could apply to any city in Germany, but is to get on just the local bus and just to ride around and to really see um, one city part to the next. And I think that, you know, to I love the kind of tours where you actually are among the people, how they're living in a space, as opposed to what is presented always in the city center. Moment four. The best advice that you have ever received was? To keep moving, uh, that problems will be solved in momentum. Moment five. The favorite place on campus during your studies or your first visit here in Stuttgart? Well, I, I actually love the Institutsbibliothek. Um, and I think <laughs> that one of the things that's, um, it terrifies me, but I love the little circular steps between the different floors. What's always scary is if you've got lots of books in your hands and you're trying to go between the various floors. But I find that our um, our, our library um, in our own building has such a sense of coziness. And I just love that you can just go down one floor and then there's all these, you know, all these books that are just waiting for you there in the stacks. 
Moment six. If I could start all over again, I would do the following differently. I would learn a musical instrument. And moment seven. Please complete the following sentence. The best thing about Stuttgart is that it is a city where you have people like myself who um, cohabitate um, in a in a in in this small space of the cauldron of the Kessel, um, and I believe the statistics of how many. People have a parent from other places and live inside the city center is more than 70%. And I find that phenomenally exciting. Jessica, thank you for talking with us today. We wish you the best of luck with everything you do in your creative work and, of course, also here at our university. And to the audience of our podcast, Made in Science, thank you for your interest in the topic. Wishing you a very good day wherever you are or want to go. Thank you for the invitation.